Hey guys, and welcome to a brand new episode of Nerds Talk Movies. My name is Taylor, and I'm going to be your host today. Joining me for this, I'm not sure what to call this, this very action-packed episode is none other than the arbiter of culture, Tristan Benz. Tristan, how you doing? Let me tell you something, Taylor. In space, nobody can hear you podcasts. It's really upsetting. <laughs> How long did it take you to come up with that one? Uh, about five seconds before you started talking. Yeah, that's fair. So a little longer than usual, but you know, <laughs> a little, like, than a little okay. longer than usual. Normally, I'm just more off the, off the cuff than that. But you know, the aliens deserves a uh, there's a little some some a little razzle dazzle, a little pizzazz. Well, my very humble friend, I say with no sarcasm whatsoever, is glad to have you on this episode. But we are not alone in this episode. Joining us yet again is Donnie Smith. Donnie, how you feeling? I'm feeling great. I'm ready to talk about this beautiful masterpiece of a movie. Boy, is it a freaking masterpiece. You know what? I'm, I'm, I freaking told I'm you, gonna... I, I want credit for this, by the way. <laughs> you, I'm just going to put it out credit. there. You're not the only one who told me this, but man, I'm going to get to it in my prelude. I'm going to save it. Uh, you saw the title, people. You know the deal. Today, we're talking about aliens. And no, it's not all the stuff going around about aliens. And I'd also be down to talk about that. But that's Bro, just, what's that's up that little podcast. guy in Mexico, you know? <laughs> what's happening there? <laughs> well, not to date this podcast, but that whole Mexico bringing out some aliens thing. Look, look <laughs> I'm one of those people, I do believe there's aliens, and I think there are. Mathematically, there has to be, right? I, I like, think there is some evidence yeah. that I don't want to say is a sure thing, but there's some people like David Fravor. His story and stuff, like. But then you go to what happened over there, and them wheeling out these skeletons, and you just go, "All right, come on now, <laughs> like what are we doing?" That's, that's alien life right there, bro. That's that's got to be alien you. life. <laughs> uh, but we're not talking about those kind of aliens today. We're talking about the James Cameron film. Uh, here is a synopsis for Aliens, courtesy of IMDb. Quote. Decades after surviving the the Nostromo incident, Ellen Ripley is sent out to reestablish contact with a terraforming colony, but finds herself battling the alien queen and her offspring. End quote. And here are some of the main cast for the film, along with director and writer credits. Again, this is coming from IMDb. It was directed by James Cameron. The story was done by James Cameron, David Geiler, and Walter Hill. It is based on characters created by Dan O'Bannon and Ronald Shusett. And who would have thought the screenplay was done by James Cameron? God, is he the goat or what? Like, <laughs> that, that man does not I mean, miss. For real. There was a time where I thought James Cameron was, I'm just going to say, a bit overrated. Because I'm not the biggest fan of the Avatar franchise. And okay, it seems well, like everybody Taylor, it's been fun being on this podcast, <laughs> but I think I gotta I can't I will not sit here and tolerate any any disrespect towards the Navi. But right. here's the thing, I I've come around on James Cameron because through these podcasts and us watching Terminator, and we're about to spoilers here, in the next few weeks we're gonna have an episode on Terminator too. So oh, yeah, we are. I am I've really come around on James Cameron to be like this man is probably in the top five, maybe top three creators of all time in the industry. What he's done is outstanding. I mean, just look at the numbers he's bringing in 
Like, <laughs> oh man, <laughs> you look <laughs> at the top absolutely 10, insane. <laughs> that top ten most grossing movies. It's superhero movies and James Cameron, bro, and Star Wars and Star right. Wars. Yeah, but he's got two of the. T- Does he have all three? No, he has the top three. Doesn't he? Yep. All, all top three are James so. Cameron. Both the Avatar movies. No, Endgame is. Oh, Endgame didn't, oh Endgame's number three. two, isn't it? Hold on, let me. Or Endgame's two, I think. Let me see. I think let me, let me go to Wikipedia. Is, okay, you do that. While you do that, I'm going to go through. Avatar, I got it, got it. Avatar, the first one, number one. Endgame, number two. Avatar, Way of Water, number three. That Titanic, wild, number four. <laughs> Star Wars Force Awakens, number five. Man, just what a what a run this guy has. All hits, no misses. No, there's some misses. <laughs> nah, <laughs> the hits nah, vastly <laughs> outweigh the misses, okay? Nah. But speaking of outstanding people, let's talk about our leading lady here. Sigourney Weaver as Ellen Ripley. We got Michael Bean as Hicks. We got Carrie uh, Han as Newt. Lance Henriksen as Bishop. Bill Paxton as Hudson. Jeanette Goldstein as Vasquez. William Hope as Gorman. And Paul Reisner, who many people will know as the doctor guy. Uh, on Stranger Things as Burt. Why'd you add an N to Riser? Did I? Yeah, you said Paul Reisner. <laughs> uh, uh, it's Paul Reiser. <laughs> you know, I'm terrible with names, okay? I mean, yeah. I feel like it's, it's just a running bit at this point. Didn't, didn't know like, if yeah, well, it's a running name, bit right? that I have to call you out. <laughs> yeah, it's fair. <laughs> the N is silent. Here's the thing. Anybody out there, if I call your name out, if I shout you out, if you're on this IMDb list, I'm going to try to get your name right. And if I get it wrong, it's going to probably be funny. So (laughs) it's a win-win either (laughs) way. Take solace in that. Lastly, though, movies and TV shows are driven by more than just one director, writers, or a cast. There are hundreds, sometimes thousands of people who are working hard on each project. So for each movie or show we cover, we also try to spotlight either a certain group of the crew or a specific crewmate, depending on what we think is the movie or show's best trait. Cast members not included in our main cast section are also eligible to be selected in this part, too. For me, this is one of those movies where you just want to say everyone. Because Aliens is truly a banger. The action, the prop department, the effects would all be clear choices. But for me, I'm going with the rest of the Marine Corps cast we didn't mention in our main cast and crew section. That's because I think these people made the most out of their screen time and managed to be standout characters in a movie full of standout characters. Uh, Their characters were fun, filled with all sorts of 80s cheese that fit in just so well with this movie. So here is the rest of the Marine Corps cast real quick. Al Matthews as Sergeant Apone, who was arguably the best out of this crew. Uh, He's the guy with the cigar the whole time and just being a badass uh, Mark Rolston as Private Drake Rico Ross as Private Frost Colette Hiller as Corporal Pharaoh Daniel Cash as Private Spunkmeyer Cynthia Dale Scott as Corporal Dietrich Tip Tipping Don't Ask Me I just copy and paste this stuff from my own DB as Private <laughs> Crow and Trevor Steedman as Private Ooh, this one's gonna be yeah. Really I was tough. waiting for this one. I want to <laughs> go for go it. Say it, Taylor. Private Weersboski. It's pretty close. 
There you go. I mean, you, you nailed it. Yeah. As far as I know. Also, I just want to shout out James Remar. Remar was actually playing Hicks for some of the film's production. I don't remember how much of it, but I think it was a lot of the production. Uh, but he left the film due to some very serious personal stuff he had going on. Uh, Remar's gone on to do a lot of awesome things, so I don't feel bad in saying that I think it was for the best, because Michael Bean was perfect for Hicks. And I don't know if Remar would have done nearly as good, uh, despite Remar's talent. Uh, anyway, Tristan, let's start with you, man. Who's your standout crew? Well, first of all, I want to double up on that shout-out to James Remar as a member of the Fast family. Uh, he had a supporting role in Too Fast, Too Furious. <laughs> Maybe I should actually send that shout-out. He just, he crushed it, bro. He also voices Hawkman in the DC Animated Universe, you know, when he was Peter Gammy in Black Lightning. But most importantly, he, as I as I mentioned. Oh, he, he was in Black Lightning. He was. He was the Yeah, he was, the for, yeah, he was pretty yeah. good. Yeah. So shout-out to... Member of the the Fast Family, you know, always Dexter's like to see dad. him be successful. Yeah, but Dexter? more importantly, Fast Family. No one cares about Dexter. It's all about <laughs> the well, Fast people, and the let, Let's let's come fix on that now. Sentence. Come on, nobody cares about nah. Dexter past season four. Okay, well that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. But I mean, I would know. I didn't watch the show because I didn't care about it. But I did care about Too Fast, Too Furious, one of the greatest <laughs> films of all time. But I digress. <laughs> Shout out for this movie to the production designer Peter Lamont. Also worked on uh, Casino Royale and what was the other big thing that he's famous for? Was it Tartana? Yeah, it was Titanic. So shout out to Peter Lamont because, as you mentioned, the production design of this movie insane. James Cameron got him back. Oh my goodness. Tell you what, he and Jim Jim Cameron were an unstoppable pair. Unfortunately, he died in, in 2020, but, you know, he was like, let me do the math on this. He was old as shit. He was 91, so, you know. <laughs> like, hey, that's a good life right there. That's a good life. That's a, that, he, he, he was bumping up those numbers. Uh, so yeah, shout out to Peter Lamont for just an incredible set design. It really makes you feel like you're, especially when they're in the tunnels with all the, the alien exacts, all around all the xenomorph goo, which is like, oh man, this is terrifying. Yeah, that's very, it, it makes, for a movie that starts out like, alright, this is gonna be just a direct sequel to why is this feeling like an action war movie? And then all of a sudden it gets feeling how the first alien felt. It feels very claustrophobic and like you said, just the production of everything. It turns right back into a horror movie. It does such a good job at that. and Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, Donnie, who's your standout? I have always been a sucker for effects. And one of the gods amongst effects artists is Stan Winston, who worked on this movie. And I feel like he has to get a shout out on everything he works on. Shout out to Stan. Big Stan dog. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, the effects on this movie are outstanding. Outstanding. Everything that man touched. <laughs> outstanding. Nice. All right. I'll give you that. You were saying, Donnie? I was going to say, everything he touches is fantastic. Because he did work on this movie. He worked on Jurassic Park, Predator, The Thing. Uh, I think one of the last things he worked on was the first Iron Man movie. Uh, he passed away in 2008, but the, his legacy cannot be touched, in my opinion. Man. To be involved in all those movies, I think, is just... It's such a flex. Like, oh, what have you done in this industry? Well, here's my list of all these amazing badass action movies throughout the 80s and 90s. 
what you got. That that's legendary right there. Uh but let's go ahead and get into our prelude. I don't have a big prelude this week. This is a retrospective about a year in the making. Really, ever since we did our retrospective on Alien last year. Long story short, Tristan and Drew went into the retrospective on a rewatch. I was watching this franchise for the first time, and all three of us loved the movie. Uh, but I was told by several people that I was in store for an even better movie with the sequel. So, let's just get into it. What are your general thoughts on Aliens? Is it, a, is it better than the first film? And if you want to learn more about the background of this movie, because there's a lot of trivia pieces, there's just too much to say that I can't really get into in the prelude. There are tons of documentaries out there, including the movies that made us over on Netflix. Highly recommend checking that out. But anyway, Donnie, let's start with you on this one. Share your general thoughts on Aliens, and do you think this is a better movie than Alien? You know, it's really rare that a sequel can uh, stand up next to the original, but it's even more rare when it surpasses the original. And I love Alien. I don't have a negative thing to say about it. But personally, yeah, I'd say this is surpasses the original on quite a few fronts. I'd, I'd agree with Donnie. Like, this is... It's... It's just a part of a track record for James Cameron where he makes a sequel that just blows the first one out of the water and the first one already being amazing. Like, clearly he didn't direct Alien, which, again, as Nine says, it's no criticism. Like, that movie's incredible on its own. Then he comes along with his just big swinging director dick and just comes in and makes Aliens (laughs) the greatest things ever. Or greatest thing ever. And you got... Obviously, he crushes it with Terminator. Crushes it with Terminator. Then comes in, as we'll talk about next week, T2 Judgment Day. Goodness gracious, Mm. great balls of fire. Am I right? Then, he comes in with one of the greatest movies of all time, Avatar, (laughs) in 2008. (laughs) And almost 15 years later, releases Avatar 2, The Way of Water. And figuratively blows Avatar out of the water. This man does not miss when it comes to sequels. He is the master at refining what works about the original and bringing something totally new and exciting and action-packed to the sequel, and he did that with with Aliens. I don't know if I would necessarily say that Aliens is a better movie than Alien, but it's a a hell of a lot more fun, and it's just damn good in and of itself. I think a reason why it's more fun and why I think James Cameron deserves so much credit. It's because it's very clear, and I think he's talked about this, like, if they're going to make a sequel to Alien, it's gotta be bigger. You gotta have Aliens. Like, it's not just, oh, it's the quote-unquote dumb sequel name to just put the plural form there. It's actually how, what the mission statement of the movie was. It deserves that that title. Yeah, like the first movie, yeah, it's so claustrophobic and it's so awesome, but it's just one alien in the movie. And while that's great, and again, like both of you said, there's nothing bad you can really say about the movie at all. It's a great film. But when it comes to this sequel here, it just takes that first movie and goes, all right, that was great, but we think we can just go bombastic with it and make it a lot better. And I think that's exactly what this is. There are so many interesting characters in this movie, so many entertaining characters in this movie. A lot of great cast members here to talk about. So many quotable moments in this movie. 
the great action pieces, the aliens look frightening. Uh, in terms of my general thoughts, and then we can move on, this is not the first time I've seen this movie. I watched it a few weeks after I watched Alien. I just could not wait. So this is yeah, me me. reacting. I know, I, I just couldn't do it. So this is me reacting on a rewatch uh, here on this podcast here. But let's just get into this damn thing, shall we? Let's talk about standout performances. I already kind of mentioned it earlier. There's a lot of them. I think Sigourney Weaver is at the top of the list. I think Michael Bean is also at the top of the list. Between Terminator and Aliens, I am shocked Michael Bean was not bigger name in Hollywood. He oh, yeah. he went through, if I'm not mistaken, he went through some personal shit. Mm-hmm. Like, God, something got in the way of his success. I can't remember if it was a drug thing or he was victimized by something. I don't remember what it was. He he went through some shit. I googled his name because I was like, how is he not like in more movies? Yeah, and there I was a reason why anything. he fell off. Now, granted, I didn't go full into like researching it. I just didn't see it at first glance. So you might be right there. But either way, for him to be two very memorable characters in these two films. And just want to go ahead and make this joke here. There was never another Aliens movie after this. Everybody Uh, lived happily ever after after Aliens. And everybody lived. Everything went fine. They went to go see Jonesy the cat. And that's that. That's all. You don't want to talk about the little xenomorph dogs or Nope. I don't want I don't want to talk about any of that or any religious weird things that happen in the third movie apparently and any lovable dead characters that they decided to you know (laughs) kill off in the very opening scene but besides the point Uh. standout characters and castmates in this movie donnie who you got you know obviously the two biggest ones are sigourney weaver and michael bean um but we're going to talk about them all the way through this so i'm not gonna beat a dead horse before we even start so I'm going to say Carrie Hen as Newt because I feel like that character could have been really annoying mm-hmm. if if it was given to a different actress. But I feel like she, given her age, she really, really carried it. Yeah, and even in the parts to where it is a little annoying when she's just constantly screaming mm-hmm. at the end, you do have to like, oh, she's a little child who just lost her family. Yeah. And also seeing the most terrifying thing anybody ever yeah. seen in the existence yeah. of humanity. I mean, we would be doing that too. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely be doing that too. But the only part of the movie that I felt like I was annoyed with or frustrated with the character was at the very end where she calls Sigourney Weaver's, where she calls Ripley mommy at the end. And it wasn't like, oh, because these two weren't believable in their roles. It was just. You know, Newton lost her parents a few weeks ago. It's it's pretty soon to be like this random stranger. Sure, she's been taking care of me. But going from she's been taking care of me to mommy in, what, a two-day span is a lot. So that's the only time I was really frustrated. She's got that trauma. She's got that xenomorph trauma. Yeah, yeah, she definitely does. Uh, Tristan, what are your standouts? I want to shout out uh, Jeanette Goldstein as Vasquez because, man, her workout routine. Oh, my God, bro. (laughs) Like, get me on that. Her arms? Incredible. 
Uh, obviously, Sigourney Weaver and Michael Bean are, are the goats. But I w- also want to shout out Lance Henriksen and Paul Reiser, just because I love yeah. those actors, and I think they're great. You mean role. Paul Reisner, right? Yes, Paul Reisner. The the great Paul Re- fan favorite, Paul <laughs> Reisner. And also, you know, shout out Bill Paxton, because this is... He was such a, a great, like, serious actor, especially towards his later years. But I feel like people don't talk enough about him and Aliens. Just being like, game over, man. <laughs> game over! Game over! Dude, him just losing his shit. It's kind of like, this is going to be a comparison that's going to kind of piss Tristan off. But to me, it's a bit like the goats in Thor Love and Thunder. Mm, I can see that. Because, yeah. uh, uh, okay, so you guys know where I'm going here. So where it's a bit where you're like, all right, this is really annoying. It's terrible. Why is it here? And then after a while, you're like, this is fucking hilarious. It, like, grows it on grows you. On you. <laughs> um, I would say, it's, it's, I know it's a cop-out, but for real, it's the whole cast. Here, we can talk about uh, a few standouts, but the whole cast just crushed it here. I called out the whole Marine Corps cast. Because I think they really make the beginning of this movie. Because there's just this feeling of, where did we just, we just went from Alien to it feels like we're about to go into a war versus aliens. And I'm fucking here for it. It is awesome. Uh, So, how do you guys feel about the Marine Corps? Uh, I forgot what they're called. Again, I'm new to this franchise, people. So. What are they? Fuck, what are they called? No, oh, the colonial they just Marines? called the colonial yeah, colonial Marines. Because there was the whole there was the whole game, Alien Colonial Marines. Yeah. It took me a second. I mean, I think they're fucking awesome. They're design James Cameron loves designing cool military futuristic shit. Like this, Terminator, once again, greatest franchise of all time, Avatar. Like, man knows how to make some cool looking Marines. And oh, yeah. they're awesome in this. Like, I mean, they get torn to pieces by the xenomorphs, but they look cool they look doing, it. doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Donnie, how'd you feel about the colonial Marines in this movie? I mean, they were almost cliched, which I guess they are cliched when yeah. you think about it, just like the really cool, tough. They are exactly out of the 80s, which is a no shit. It came out in 86, but they're exactly what you expect out of the 80s movie action hero. All of them. Oh, yeah. I would say that they're ripped out of, like, I don't know if you've ever seen, like, military propaganda comics from, like, the 70s mm-hmm. and stuff, where yeah. everybody's just ripped and, <laughs> you know, indestructible. But to me, that's what they're from. They're just ripped straight out of the They look comics. like Gears and of War I love every minute of it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And they have the, talking about that propaganda, they have a similar energy to the the soldiers in um, Starship Troopers, where it's like, I'm doing my part. It's like, okay. Oh, yeah. Like... You're doing your part to get eaten by space bugs, but here we go. Where do you want to go with this movie? Because there's a few avenues we can go. We can talk about the aliens. We could talk about Ripley's story in this movie that I feel like is vastly inferior in the theatrical version because the extended version gets into what exactly she lost being in uh, mm-hmm. uh, hypersleep for 50-something years. On some Captain America shit. Yeah, also Captain America shit. She <laughs> lost her daughter, and it really goes into the Newt story, and it makes that so much better, I think. And I, I watched this on Hulu, and it was the theatrical version. So I actually saw the extended version first, then the theatrical version for this rewatch. And the whole time I was going, man, this is just the worst version for that reason. So how do you guys feel about Ripley's story in this movie? where she was from alien to aliens, and this ascendance. This feels like the final form. From, oh, she survived the first movie, to, oh, she just 
killed those aliens. I mean, can it be her final form? She hasn't fought any like space dogs, alien, little aliens nope, anymore. Nope, dogs, this is the last aliens movie. Nope. I she don't know what you're talking yet. about. This is the last aliens movie ever made, and there was never another one. James Cameron just hit, he went out on a high note. I mean, you know, he is known to do that. <laughs> Y'all gonna talk about? Oh wait, what was it? Ripley, I forgot what the question was. I Ripley's was story. About three. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes, Ripley's story. Uh, it is. I mean, it's damn. I mean, it's. We've spent the last what twenty minutes just talking about how good this movie is, especially in terms of action and production design, and we've shouted out the cast. But really, like Ripley's story is obviously solid you know, just the writing itself, but so much of it is Sigourney Weaver's performance bringing it to life that really just, I mean, it's what you said. It feels like an ascension. Like, when you start off with the first Alien movie, she barely seems like a supporting character at first. It's not until the cast, like, whittles down that you realize, oh, shit, she's essentially, you know, the final girl, I guess. Oh, yeah. That's the brilliance of the first movie, too, is it yeah. introduces the main character as what you think is, oh, she's just a side character in this movie. Yeah, she's just there. She's just part then, of the crew. Yeah, about 20 minutes in, it's becoming pretty evident she's the only one with a brain cell. Yeah, she's <laughs> like, this show. thing yeah. is bad. Let's not bring this in. And they're like, hey, but come on. Like, our guy's sick. She's like, okay, protocol says leave his bitch ass out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, R.I.P. John Hurt, both in the movie and in real life, but that man's got a parasite. Let's not bring it in. Um, but then with this, from the start of the movie, she's the one who knows everything. She's like, no, don't mess with the aliens. Everyone there is probably dead. I don't want to go back there. This is terrifying. Like, stop being dumb. Stop underestimating this. These things have acid blood. You cannot weaponize them. Just blow it all up. And lo and behold, she's right. And lo and behold, mm -hmm. she's the one who survives because she's like, you fucking fools are not listening. Paul Reiser trying to turn these into little attack dogs. This is not going to work out. And she becomes a mom, you know, love to see it. Again, because <laughs> Again. in the extended Mom'd version, up. she already was a mom. She lost, she lost her, her elderly daughter. Yep. Uh, yeah, man, I agree with you. It's just, it's one of those things where, like I said earlier, she starts out as this side character in Aliens, then you realize, oh no, she's the main character, she survives the film, and it's great, but then by the end of this movie, you realize, oh, somewhere along the line, she transformed from, oh, she just survived, so she's just actively murdering all these aliens. Yeah, she's just a badass now. It's brilliant. She's oh, just yeah. a, She is up there with old Arnie and Sly Stallone as fixtures in the action. And Linda Hamilton as just fixtures in the action genre with this role. And it's because of this movie, I think. And especially with the mech scene at the end that I think we'll talk oh, about later. Gosh. The line, I, There's something about the delivery of the line. Like On paper, I don't think that line works. Get away from her, you bitch. But it's the way Sigourney Weaver delivers it. She weaves a tapestry with her performance. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not giving you that one. That was, that was I don't a give a shit. There. I'm taking it. <laughs> I'm, I'm the arbiter of culture. I've decided. You ain't giving it to me. He's not waiting for that one. Donnie, what are your thoughts on uh, Ripley in this movie? Her story. Yeah, Um. the extended edition, I think, is better uh just because you do get that background with uh her daughter uh but yeah like you guys mentioned in the first movie 
at first you don't even realize she's the main character. And I feel like that was kind of intentional because that movie came out in the late seventies and you don't, you didn't see women be the main character in a movie like that. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of trying to trick you. And at this point, I like to see she's become this big action star out of annoyance because nobody's listening (laughs) to her. And she's like, fine, you know what? I'll take care of it myself. She's just very exasperated the whole time. Yeah. There's something very relatable in that too. I think everybody at some point in their life has just been so annoyed. And it's like, you know what, Ripley? I know how you feel. It's like, yeah, it's it's like, you were right this entire time and nobody's listening. And, you know, not to get on a soapbox, you know, on this, but it also seems like something that is very relatable to women just based on conversations I've had with every woman in my life. We're like, you're just not (laughs) listening. Like, I'm telling you, this is a thing. And everyone's just like, nah, no, it's fine. Let's just disregard what you're saying. And I think that is also a big part of Ripley's character. You know, it's more subtle throughout the the two films but then that tying in with her story is like becoming a mother like i can see why partially why james cameron was trying to talk shit about you know the wonder woman movie and female superhero movies in general being like hey i did it better because <laughs> you know he twice he, yeah twice because really. he seems to really like strong you know female protagonists and you know what you gotta shout, shout him out for that shout out shout out jimmy wonder woman's still oh, yeah. a good movie though you got anything else to add, Donnie, before we move on? Uh, yeah, I got something to say. I think Sigourney, uh, you kind of mentioned earlier how she's, she should be mentioned alongside, uh, you know, Stallone and Linda Hamilton. I feel like she should have done more action roles yes. like this. Yeah, I, I agree. I feel like she really could have carried it. It feels, I, I don't know if I've seen all the notable movies from Sigourney Weaver's uh, filmography, but it feels like it's... Aliens and Ghostbusters <laughs> and holes and holes and holes. Yeah, those are the biggest <laughs> shout ones, out really. holes. And the whole time you're just going there like <laughs> holes. I, I know you got me to add holes in there. I shouldn't have, <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> always got to add those holes, Taylor. <laughs> Gus is in that movie from Sight. He is. He's fantastic. He is. Yes. But besides the point, it, it seems like her film career is like into those. Two franchises, you want to include holes, you can. But she's just made a career out of those two franchises, and it does feel like she could have done more. And I don't know why that is. I'm sure there's a variety of factors, but man, it would have been great to see her in even more franchises. I mean, she's in the Avatar franchise as well. Yeah. And she was... <laughs> Not as a God, main character, though. Oh, I'm sorry, did you watch Avatar 2, The Way of Water? I have not seen the way. Uh, then you shut the fuck up because she's a big part of that movie. <laughs> when are we gonna do Avatar retrospectives? That's what I want to talk about. Whenever you want to do Morbius, buddy. Uh, don't don't do that. One <laughs> of those one of those franchises people enjoy and made a shitload of money. The other's Morbius. So <laughs> my point stands. But also, she was technically in the Marvel you know cinematic universe on Defenders. <laughs> that was a that was a role she took. Yeah, she was great in the Oh, yeah. That's the thing. She was, yeah, she was solid. It's just that they did, and this is spoiler for Defenders, it's just that Marvel did the stupid thing that they do with all their shows where that's like, hey, we have this cool villain. Surprise, they're dead. All of a sudden. They did it with Cottonmouth and Luke Cage, and it pissed everybody off when they did it with Cottonmouth because they replaced them with a far worse villain who is just 
not even interesting in the slightest. You didn't love Diamondback? I did not like Diamondback. I was so interested in seeing more from Cottonmouth. But no, yeah, but now he can be Blade, so it worked out. Is he going to be Blade? He's still, yeah, he's still, they're still yeah. chugging along on it. Look, we got a, we got a writer strike going on, an actor strike. We also, I mean, before any of that even happened, Blade was in what I would call production hell. I mean, I'm not going to argue. That's yeah, the, that's pretty accurate, yeah. Getting back to Aliens, uh, let's talk about the Alien design. More specifically, I want to go ahead and talk about the Queen. <sighs> the Queen is terrifying. It's the stuff of nightmares. I want oh, to yeah. yet again point this out. This movie came out in 1986. It has no business looking as good as it does. And why, and this is going to be me shitting on modern Hollywood here for a second. Let's go. Let's shit on this it. CG, this CGI heavy Hollywood we kind of have now. And this, isn't the on the, this is not on the visual effects workers. I think this is I actually, know. the over-reliance on CGI, I think, negatively affects the visual effects workers they're getting crunched yeah they can't put out their best work it's this over-reliance on it and i think it's just killing everybody over there and it's terrible and then you look at stuff like aliens and jurassic park and there's this feeling of man it looks it doesn't look perfect but it looks it looks tangible Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you're actually looking at something. Yeah, and Tristan, Donnie, you didn't. I don't know if you played Starfield, but Tristan and I were just talking about Starfield before we recorded this podcast. And there's something about Starfield that feels very tangible in its design, and I think people like gravitate towards that. Hell yeah, we do. It's just that feeling of man, that looks real, and aliens, everything in it looks real to some kind of extent. Yeah. The ships aren't too futuristic. Nobody's wearing anything absolutely crazy that's not out of fashion design. And the spaceships look pretty good for what you would think is quote-unquote realistic. And then the aliens, they're not fully CG. They look like they're there. So I just yeah. the alien design in this movie is top-notch. And I really wish that Hollywood would go more to practical effects. I mean, hell, look at Star Wars, man. They trotted out the puppet Yoda for The Last Jedi. It was one of the things that, no matter where you landed on Last Jedi, I think a lot of people love that. It it was real. It, yeah. it was real, and I tell you what, I, I get emotional just thinking about it. Because you're like, oh, that's the, that's the homie right there. That's the real, that's the real thing. It's not just some little yeah, yeah. CGI, like, that mm. is Yoda. Grogu. Grogu is a puppet. <laughs> he's God. actually, that little guy's on set. That little, that little adorable little fucker, he's there. He's, yeah. He'll make you cry. He'll make Pedro, he's, Pedro Pascal has said, like, he's almost cried holding that thing. Like, there's something there's something powerful about a tangible presence being there mm-hmm. in a way that, you know, you're not going to get from something like, I don't know, let me be a hater and say Ant-Man Quantumania. Yeah. Well, you guys know what I mean, yeah. though, right? With this just, oh, for sure. It just com- not only talking some shit on modern movies nowadays with the overabundance of CGI, but just how good this movie looks. And then you look at something like the movies that made us over on Netflix and the shortcuts they took (laughs) to make this movie, (laughs) what they actually did to make the ship look good. It's, it's outstanding. It's a MacGyver shit, man. And you know, what's great. It's not just great for us watching it, but it's great for the actors too, because they're actually reacting to Mm -hmm. something. 
Like, you know, Newt, she wasn't just screaming at a, you know, a tennis yeah. ball on a stick as a stand-in. She's screaming at that actual giant queen animatronic. Or even at, like, the, how many, they probably have 75 guys just running around in these slick black suits, like, down the tunnel. I'd be screaming at that, too, even if I knew it was fake. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And she was, she was what, probably 10 years old? Like, that, that is gonna bring out a performance in any actor, but especially a, a child like that? Yeah, come on. You're gonna be, you're gonna be screaming your little, your little lungs out. Well, look at, oh, yeah. look at something like zombie shows. The Walking Dead. Even, and now granted people have said the quality of that show goes downhill. I agree. I think the quality goes downhill. But there's a reason why I think people love the early seasons. And I think one of those reasons is because, hell man, the zombie makeup, it wasn't like crazy CGI or anything in the show. Everything, again, like I was saying earlier, it looks tangible. And it's just, it's something that I think we should strive towards in Hollywood more often. I'll co-sign that. That's our official Nerd Stash Network stance. Yes. You guys Very got anything to Absolutely. say about the alien design before we move on? Well, the queen specifically, or just all the all the aliens? As well? Both. I feel like we, did we, would we have talked about the... I guess we would have talked about the design for the regular Xenomorph last episode. I'll, I'll let Donnie go, because I'm sure we've talked about how we feel about we have. The, the regular aliens. I will say, I bet it was really difficult to come up with a unique design for an alien. Mm. Donnie, not to cut you off, buddy, but, I mean, we know that now. I mean, look at Mexico. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know... Shout out to Mexico, all right? Oh, shout out to Mexico. <laughs> shout, shout out, out to, to Mexico. <laughs> Donnie, please continue. <laughs> <laughs> With pleasure. Uh, so, when the Xenomorph was designed, I feel like, I don't think it's that hot of a take to say that it was iconic immediately. Mm. And so they brought him back in Aliens, and they had to one-up that with the Queen. I and to say that they were successful, I think, is an understatement. I mean, even to this day, that thing freaks me out. It's terrifying. If I'm not mistaken, Donnie, I think you you could probably confirm or, or deny this, but if I recall correctly, I feel like I heard when they were designing the original Alien, when H.R. Uh, Garvey designed it, that they were trying to come up with like what the ultimate predator would be, like just from a yeah. visual standpoint, and to see the extrapolation of that into what their queen would look like, just as this giant, terif- even more terrifying version of this ultimate predator that also looks like a queen ant or something with that, like, giant larval egg sac, like, sticking out of, out of her ass. It's freaky as shit, man. It's creative brilliance. It's horrifying. That's what it is. It's creative brilliance. And <laughs> we just sat here and taught, taught up all of this, all the design. This movie is great for so many reasons. One of the funniest parts of this movie, and I can't get over it, every single time I watch it, I just bust out laughing, is whenever Ripley and Nude are trying to escape from the alien hideout. And everything's on fire, it's coming apart, and Ripley thinks that Bishop left them. And all of a sudden, you see the elevator start coming up. (laughs) And me, every time I go, that bitch knows how to use an elevator. (laughs) <laughs> There's something about seeing the queen alien come out of an elevator. 
It's fucking hilarious. Like, how'd she work the buttons with her big-ass little, little antenna? Not antenna, the, what do you call it? The pincers, the, the, you know? It's also, like, I'm over here thinking her, like, watching, like, in my mind, I'm like, she had to sit in that elevator for what probably if had a minute music? or two. Yeah, it was it's like, like elevator music playing the whole time. Oh, yeah. She's just like, I'm gonna kill these two. They fucked up the shit yep. out of these uh, fucking. They killed my kids. They ruined my house. I'm going to murder these two whenever I get my hands on them. And now their door opens. All right, it's time. Let's go. <laughs> let's fucking go. <laughs> uh, let's talk about. Uh, what do you guys actually want to talk about? I've been kind of dominating this here, so I want to open this up to either of you. I'm thinking about just how scary it is like when you when they're looking at the sensors and they just see the boom boom like all the dots they're like oh it's probably just oh, yeah. you know one or two and then it's just practically the entire screen yeah. is just lit up with with these you know intruder alert whatever you know it's this movie does such a good job like its predecessor of just building tension but in such a, a different way because with the first alien it is this it it's much more of a horror story um obviously there's huge horror elements in this but with that it was with alien it was very claustrophobic it felt more personal and one-on-one because they were in a much more confined space and everyone was just getting whittled down one by one it felt like fundamentally a slasher movie yeah yeah. Oh, yeah. They had Absolutely. no way to defend themselves. They had no knowledge, really, of of what the threat was. Like they mm-hmm. they were just on their own. And you know, Sigourney Weaver ultimately is you know the final girl. Um, then you get to Aliens, and it's like okay, like now they have more of a fighting chance. You know, they you, you think oh these hardened colonial Marines like they've got the the gear, they've got the weapons. You know, even if they're ignoring it, they have the the intel. Like I'm sure this will you can tell that they're thinking, I'm sure this will be over real quick. Obviously, you know, that's not going to be the case because then we wouldn't have a movie, but you don't necessarily know how, you know, it's going to go poorly for them, but you don't know how badly they're fucked. And they also like, Oh, these people are going to have a hard time. Yeah. And, and yeah, they trick you with the beginning wherever they lull you in a false sense of security. Yeah. And you're like, okay, this is where it's going to happen. And no, it doesn't. This is where they find newt. But even that scene is very intense mm-hmm. because you're just going through this very damp facility. Everything's destroyed. You figure out what exactly happened here. In the extended version, it shows you how it actually started, where uh, Newt's family got uh, attacked by one of the egg things. I forgot what they're called. Uh, before the, the face huggers, the face huggers. Yeah. Um, so. That's how it started, but then you see in the facility that they were actually experimenting on them. So, like, all that stuff, it builds up and it, it shows and not tells the audience, you know? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, they'll explain it later as well, but it's one of those things that the audience is learning with the characters. And it's not like, hey, we're just going to tell you things and spoon feed it to you because we yeah. think you're stupid. And when you get yep. that explanation later, it is very much like confirming what you pretty much were already figuring out. It's like, oh, okay, so this is what was happening. Now just being like, oh, the aliens are attacking now. Now we turn the corner. Oh, look, the alien is coming. Oh, no, we were experimenting. Like, it's it's it feels more organic to the story in a way that, like you said, doesn't feel like it's spoon-feeding, doesn't feel like it's holding the audience's hand, but it is still almost validating in a way of like, yeah, you were right. They were fucking experimenting on these things. It was a bad idea. 
now let's watch everyone get torn to pieces. To go back to the Colonial yeah. Marines real quick, I think they bring a lot of levity to the movie through being mm-hmm. that 80s cheese that works so much. And I think the top person out of that group is Hicks. Hicks is awesome. Yes. One of the most badass characters in an action movie I've ever seen. And the a prime example of how badass he is is they're doing this drop to the planet. And it's it's presented the whole time like this is an intense thing. The corporal guy is sitting there going like, I've never been, this is my second time ever doing this in real life. And then uh, the main sergeant dude, I forgot his name, but the cigar guy, he goes, wait a minute, somebody wake up Hicks. And <laughs> Hicks is just over there passed the fuck out. He doesn't He's give getting a snooze one. it, you know? Yeah. He doesn't, just rest it up. doesn't care one iota about this very intense situation. Everybody else is kind of freaking out and just like all anxious, like ready to go. It's like ready to go into war. And Hicks is just. Hicks is built different. Yeah, he's, he's built, built different. different. And that's the stuff that I'm talking about. Like, it brings the levity and it brings that optimism, I think, into the movie that, like, okay, Ripley's not the only one with a brain cell in this movie, at least. You got no, Bishop you got, and you got Hicks. Say, you have Ripley, you have Bishop, then you have fucking Guile from Street Fighter, <laughs> but with a futuristic <laughs> space gun. And also Vasquez. It, it sucks that God, those two were set up as, like, oh, man, they're going to have this awesome moment. And it does kind of trick you. About one of them yes. dying. I think it's mm-hmm. the right call, but at the same time, it's, you did want to see that big moment there of both of them using those massive guns and mowing down some aliens. So at least you got Vasquez brutally killing some aliens at the end of the movie. There are worse ways to, to go out in an in a alien. Oh, yeah. Hudson went out pretty badly. I'll say that. He went out like a bitch. Yeah, he went out like a bitch. Yeah. It, it's fitting, though, I guess. Yeah, it is. It's fitting, but still. Uh, how do you guys feel about these the levity in this movie, I would guess? I think that's why I was trying to bring it up here. Well, I think that's a part of what I was talking about, saying how it builds tension in a different way, because it does make you not necessarily think that things would be okay, but it's like, okay, like this doesn't just feel like a scary claustrophobic horror movie. This does feel like more like an action vibe, because they're, they're cracking wise. They're like, yeah, we, we got this, bro. Like, somebody wake up Hicks. He's so tough that he's just, you know, the sleep on this drop. And then once they get in the shit, like you can tell it's changed because that humor. Who's the real badass and who was playing badass? Exactly. the The humor is not really there anymore once shit starts popping off because it's like, okay, no, this is not a joke. Like Ripley was right, and we are all going to fucking die. Yeah, it's uh, it's like a horror movie disguised as an action movie. That's a really good way to put it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and then, you know, talking about Hicks, I like him because he's kind of like a mix. Cause you know, you have all the other Marines saying, oh yeah, we're invincible. You know, these big guns, nothing can hurt us. And then you have Ripley. She's really cautious. She doesn't want to run into this. And I think Hicks is kind of the middle ground. Like, you know, he knows he's capable of, you know, doing this stuff, but he's like, eh, it's like, maybe I, we should listen. He's still a little cautious. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The moment where they realize that like, okay, shit is is getting real he is the one who turned to be like okay ripley what do you got like <laughs> you were yeah. right how do we kill these things yep yeah they, this is on you now i think also one of the things that i really like about this movie is bishop 
because it goes from the first movie with everything going. I forgot the robot's name in the first movie, but the one that goes haywire and Ripley has to kill it. The one played by Ian Holm, whose name, yeah. like, like I said, can't remember the name of the, the character, but you know, let me Google it. Cause it's going to bother me. But uh, <laughs> I'm actually going to just wait here because I have a feeling he's yeah. going to come up with it. His name was... Oh, shit. When did he... Oh, damn. Ian Holm died in 2020? Damn. I didn't know damn. that. Actually, no. Did I know that? That sounds vaguely familiar. Damn. R.I.P. Ian Holm, a.k.a. I think... Yeah. Uh, still stalling for time. Let's Bilbo? The God. If the android's name was Bilbo, that would have been fucking hilarious. <laughs> but no, his name was Ash. That's what it was. It was Ash. 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 Okay, that, yeah. Well, whenever she had to kill Ash, it was a very traumatic moment, and it carries over. That's another thing I really like about this movie. It's not like, oh, you can just go into it blindly. There's stuff that carries over, and her character arc continues from the last movie to this movie. And not only is it through her struggles, like learning that her daughter died and taking on a, for all intents and purposes, a new daughter, and with Newt, and not only about squashing this alien threat once and for all, and again, once and for all, the alien threat's done. There was never another alien movie. But it's also about her coming to terms <laughs> with the androids, because mm-hmm. her experience with Ash was essentially all Ash, all uh, androids are bad. So, and just having Bishop here. And having, like, uh, sorry, I'm getting some weird static into my mic here, so that's why I'm thrown off here. But, uh, and Bishop being just this badass character and being the whole time, hey, I'm not a bad guy. Trust me. He has this cool moment with a knife at the beginning of the movie. He's trying to kind of placate the Ripley. But then there's some moments throughout the movie where you think, maybe he is a bad guy. He's experimenting on the alien, the facehugger. You're like, wait a minute, does he have an ulterior motive? He doesn't. Bishop's just a cool guy. He's awesome. He's just vibing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he saves the day. Yeah, there. he's just just one of the guys. What you guys think about Bishop? Oh, I mean, I shouted him out as one of my favorite performers. I think Lance Hendrickson is just awesome. And he's awesome in this. I love the scene where he's essentially playing the knife game. <laughs> it just starts speeding up to like inhumanly fast speeds and, and scaring the shit out of Bill Paxson. The look on Bill Paxton's face <laughs> is brilliant. It's awesome. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10 movie just for that. Yes. That one scene. Supposedly that was a real reaction, too. I actually believe it. <laughs> he Obviously, Lance Henderson wasn't moving that fast, but apparently they were supposed to put a fake hand or something, but when they said action, they grabbed him and actually did that to him. So, I like to think that's true. A true story. Um, you know what? As the arbiter of culture, I'm declaring it's true. It's a true story. Yeah, you heard it here Good. first. I like it. <laughs> but no, Bishop, I love, and I really do like how Ripley doesn't trust him at first. And again, she has a reason. And I also like how it doesn't just flat out explain why she doesn't trust him. It, the movie assumes that you've seen the first one. And so it just kind of, it's like, yeah, you know why she doesn't trust him. Um, and he has to kind of earn that trust as the movie goes along. And yeah, uh, Lance Hendrickson is perfect in almost everything he's in. He's just a great character actor. Also in Terminator 1. Yep. Also in Detroit, Become Human. Or no, or is that Scott Glenn? I always get Scott Glenn and Lance Hendrickson mixed up. 
they do. I see where you're coming from. They have a similar facially. Like, they kind gruff, of do look alike. Gruffness, little gravelliness yeah. in the voice. I, a little bit in the similar. cheekbones too. I, I uh, see where you're coming from with that. But yeah, pretty man. sure it was Hendrickson in Detroit. They were pretty go. sure. See? My yeah, name man, is Connor. Bishop, Bishop is a great character in this movie, and again, franchise was over after this. Uh, but talking about the ending of this movie here. <laughs> where Newt gets captured by the Queen. We'll get this awesome fight. I, I feel like I was going to go into the favorite, least favorite moments, but we got to talk about the ending. It's one of the best parts of this movie, if not the so best part cool. of the movie. It's so fucking cool. It's one of those things that I think fails in a movie like, what is it, Army of the Dead, the Zack Snyder zombie movie? Mm. Where it's, mm. oh, the main plot is technically over. Or, yeah, basically the main plot's over. But, hey, this quick little thing just happened, and we got to take care of it before we leave. Towards Army of the Dead, it was, like, the daughter left to go save her friend. An insanely stupid decision. And then Batista's character had to follow to save her. And it just, it didn't work because none of the characters, their motivations made sense. In this movie, it 100% works. And it doesn't feel like it's impossible for Ripley to get Newt and get back to the ship. No. In time. So just to make mm-hmm. that comparison there, why I think in one movie that exact same basic premise really fails, and in this movie, why it really works. I mean, and we also saw her do it in the first one when she went to get Jonesy. Yeah. Which I would have just left the cat. Okay, that cat <laughs> that cat made his decision. All right. Nah, I would have gone to get the cat. I love cats. That said, <laughs> that cat was pretty dumb. I mean, well, he was an orange cat. And as someone who has orange cat, male orange cats, I didn't know that was the dumb. kind of person you are, Tristan. Orange, I'm speaking from experience. Male orange cat. I tell you what, I've had this cat since I was 12 years old. All right, and God love him. You know, I'll, I, I would, I would go back <laughs> in the Nostromo to save him from a xenomorph. But Spike is dumb as a bag of rocks, and <laughs> that's just that's where Jonesy was at. And you got to respect it because he's true to himself. And, yeah, you know, true. sometimes he just needs, an orange cat just needs their their human to come and save him from an alien. You know, that just is what it is. That's the nature of the beast. You want me over. It's fair. <laughs> Very fair. It's fair, yeah. But, yeah, it's like I was saying, I think the ending does work for the characters or motivations. It's badass, especially with Ripley just mowing down the aliens. The fi- uh, flamethrower and then that big scene with the mech versus the queen. It's just, it all works so well. Bishop gets the big save twice, really three times. No, twice in the ending to where he comes back for both of them and then he saves Newt at the very end. Uh, The only con, if you want to say a con, is Hicks wasn't part of it, but I feel like it works for the movie. Because Hicks got so much early on that it still was like, all right, he got his in. He he was carrying the team. Yeah, I mean, aside like, from Ripley, obviously, the whole time being on her shit. But he was the only Marine to be like, stop being fucking idiots. Like, mm-hmm. The audience already knows how much of a badass Hicks is. He got yeah. his moments in. Let's he got his moments. Oh, yeah. Let's Especially when, when it turns out that like they reveal Paul Reiser being a bitch this whole time. And Hicks is like, you did what? Like, he, he doesn't be like, all right. <laughs> He's not just the company man, you know, the following orders like, oh, you know, I'm sure they were right. He's like, you little bitch. <laughs> like, yeah, this is on you, too. I'm going to beat your fucking ass. Yeah, I like how even Hudson 
basically yeah. is like, yeah, let's just kill the guy. I was like, fuck, fuck this guy. Because all of them, like, while they're bitching at each other and everything, especially Hudson, they are still part of this us versus them mentality that they have to be in. Yeah, and for, it's all about oh, survival. Yeah. And for Bert to pretty much put all of that in jeopardy and be like, yeah, I'll just basically kill all of you. It's one of those things. Like, you know what? No, fuck you, man. We're just going to send you to the aliens. How about that? It's like, you wanted them. <laughs> Come get them. Yep. Yeah, he had one of the best deaths, yeah. I think, because he went out like a bitch, exactly how he should have. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. Got the ending he deserved. Yeah, it was a great way to go out, especially when he thinks he's safe. He just turns around; and it's right there. Really good stuff. But talking about the ending, you guys share your full thoughts on it from Newt getting kidnapped to the epic one-on-one battle between Ripley versus the Queen. Tristan, let's start with you, man. Newt getting kidnapped, it's, you know, it, it could have, it could have been one of those things where it's like, uh, again with this kid, but like Donnie says, could have been Army of the Dead. So strong. Yeah, it could have been Army of the Dead. But because her performance is so strong, they're like, all right, yeah, go, go get her. Like, save her from this <laughs> terrifying thing of nightmares. And all that culminates when you do get the line, the probably the best line of the movie that you called out, where she's like, you, you know, get away from her, you bitch, where you're like, you know what? Fuck yeah, like, Beat beat this thing's ass. This thing has been the source of misery for you for the last 60 years, essentially. Like, fucking throw hands with it. And it's very entertaining because, especially after seeing how, even though Ripley, as you see, is very capable on her own, especially even in the first movie, which she quite literally is on her own, like, you you expect she's going to survive or triumph in some way. But you never really think that she's essentially gonna get to box <laughs> like the queen alien <laughs> and she has a fist fight with the alien for all intents and purposes like you know what this is the coolest thing i've ever seen in my life I'm, i never thought a construction tool could be so badass and yet there she is with the pincers just zzz, zzz, like just giving it a, a swift right hook to its big exoskeleton it's cool as shit it's one of the best, I think, climaxes in any, specifically any 80s action movie, but I'd put it up there with most action movies. Yeah. And the part where Ripley gets nuked, and there's that moment where the queen is basically, what I perceived as, hey, you know what? You've caused enough problems. Just get out of here and leave us be. Mm-hmm. And Ripley just can't do it. Just starts mowing down all the eggs. And I could see the argument for why even do that if the whole place is going to get nuked. You could have just left. But I also 100% get where Ripley's character is coming from. Because everything yeah. you just said. This isn't just a one movie, hey, you kidnapped my surrogate daughter here. This is, you kidnapped my surrogate daughter, you killed all of my friends. Yeah, like she's got some shit to work out. There's a lot of shit to work out. And so much trauma there. And there's stuff like even in the deleted scene of Alien where she goes and finds the captain. And he pleads with her to kill him. And stuff like that. And I consider that to be canon. Oh, yeah. Honest, would you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's stuff like that. It's like all of that led to the moment with the queen. And she's just like, you know what? Fuck this. And just start mowing down all the eggs. Like, I love that part of the movie. Rationally, it's not the most logical decision. But it makes a lot of sense for her character. That's the thing. Like you can make irrational choices in movies, and it could work. It just has to work for the character's motivation. It mm-hmm. certainly worked for hers. 
Donnie, what are your thoughts on the ending? I mean, like you like you guys said, it's one of the best endings to a movie like this ever. Um, I like to think of it as, you know, Ripley is technically a mom here to Newt. And then you have the queen who's the mom to all of these creatures that have Ripley's murder throughout the whole movie. And so it's basically they're both kind of getting revenge in their own minds. If you think about it. Uh, But yeah, I just kind of double down on the, they're throwing hands. Basically. I think it's so much more satisfying to see that than if she just came in there with a giant gun, you know, just see her in this mech suit thing and just freaking ripping it apart. I love it so much. Yeah, and one of the other things I want to say about this movie, and this is kind of getting into favorite, least favorite moments, is I love how iconic it is. Mm-hmm. And part of it is with that mech scene. That's why I brought it up here. Part of it's with the Marine Corps and how bombastic they are. Some of it's the look, the designs. And it's stuff like that that I think you look at movies, at other action movies that have come since, that have tried to pay homage to it in any kind of way. And it's stuff like that that when I play a game like Starfield or No Man's Sky, I'm always looking out for a situation like Aliens. Because who knows when a developer no wants Sky. to put a mission out there. Yeah, shout out No Man's Sky. No Flawless, Man's release. <laughs> Flawless release. Flawless release. This only got better. <laughs> well, that last part's true. It only got better. One of the, I will say it, best gaming comeback of all time. Oh, but, 100%. That I won't even say it sarcastically they really they they put in the work but yeah it's just one of those things that all like in the gaming industry in the movie industry television all sorts of industries have tried to pay homage in some kind of way to the first two alien movies and it's because it's just so freaking iconic for so many reasons uh in terms of favorite least favorite moments don't really have any least favorite moments favorite moments really everything with the colonial marines anything with ripley and hicks Especially anything with Hicks. He's just awesome in every kind of way. Uh, least favorite? Jonesy didn't go with him. Jonesy's a bitch. Uh, you know, <laughs> she made the right call. Or he's no, smart. She, she made the right yeah. call. Is, is, okay, we need to figure this out here. Is Jonesy a little boy cat or a little girl cat? I thought it was a boy. I feel like she referred to him as a boy, didn't she? Okay, I just wanted to be sure. I thought here. so. Yeah. Jonesy, look, it, it, you just complained about her having to go back and rescue that dumbass cat. You think she was going to put him in a situation again where she would have to chase after him? I wanted Jonesy to redeem himself. You want Jonesy? Well, Jonesy redeemed himself by not endangering anyone <laughs> by staying <laughs> home. Uh, Donnie, what are your favorite, least favorite moments along with your final thoughts? Uh, again, I it's kind of a cop-out to say this, but there aren't really any least favorite moments for me without just absolutely nitpicking. Uh, but favorite moments... I think it's when they first get to the compound and the tone of the movie shifts from that kind of action, gung-ho, military movie to horror. Just that tonal shift when they realize, oh wait, no, this is this is serious. It just completely changes the course of the movie and I love it every time. Yeah, it does really feel like the beginning of this movie whenever you see the Colonial Marines. It's like, all right, let's go. Let's run through a freaking wall right now. Then once you get to that compound, you go, oh, yeah, that's right. I saw the first movie. Like, it's like, <laughs> oh, the, the wall's running through them. Yeah, <laughs> it really changed real quick on them. <laughs> Tristan, what are your favorite, least favorite moments along with your final thoughts? 
least favorite is that this movie ends. Like, you know, it's just, man, one or more uh, of it. You know what? That's fair. <laughs> the end credits. Um, yeah, it's just like, <laughs> darn. There's just not not enough aliens. Uh, and then apparently the franchise ends after this. So it's, it's just yep. really disappointing. The final shot even works. The first movie has the final shot of just Ripley with Jonesy. The second movie ends with Ripley and Newt. Like, even the final shots of this movie work so well in tandem with It just other. works. But Tristan, continue with your uh, final thoughts here. Uh, favorite moment. I would like to echo what Donnie said when the about when the, they get there and they realize the tones change. But more specifically, when they first go down into and they see all the fucking when the shit first hits the fan with the aliens, where they're investigating and they see all the the colonists like trapped and gunked up and like what the fuck is this? And then they some doofus I can't remember which one especially like kills the baby alien and alerts all the other xenomorphs like that that moment's fantastic and then obviously you know the let go of her you bitch like that part is also incredible yeah definitely this is one of the best movies of all time i'll just go out and say it especially in terms of its historical mark on the industry Mm -hmm. so uh this is a movie i've wanted to do for a long time i'm very excited that we got a chance to do a retrospective on it and yeah, we are done with our alien retrospectives. Uh, let's go ahead and get out of here. And let's talk about what we're working on and where can people find us. Donnie, what you're working on and where can the people find you? Right now, I am attempting to write a book. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But the fine folks listening can find me on Twitter at ObsessedCinema underscore. Be sure to do that. Tristan. What are you working on, and where can the people find you? Well, Taylor, as the arbiter of culture, people can always find me anywhere that culture is being arbitrated on. Uh, anytime, <laughs> anytime that you know the zeitgeist is 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 being formed, formulated, ruminated, pontificated, discussed, I'm there. And you know, people can also find me in their hearts because I'm always with them. I'm letting them know. <laughs> internally what is and isn't culturally relevant uh anytime that they see something like damn i'm gonna be a hater i don't like that that's me i exist in all of us if there's if there's a thousand haters i'm in every one of them if there's one hater it's me you know if there are no haters left in this world i've left this earth um but you can also find me on screen rant just cranking out articles over there and you can find me on all the socials Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at Back Issue Bins. But if you want to hear more of my voice, then please go listen to the Nerd Session Network's comic book podcast, The Longbox Hunters, where me and other Nerd Stash contributor Drew Garrison talk about all sorts of comic shit. Oh, yeah. Excellent podcast. The most recent episode at the time of this recording that we posted was Spider Man Blue. What about you guys had me wanting to look into Spider Man Blue? It's a good book. Read it, Taylor. It was you got me really wanting to look into it because <laughs> it's a good the book. Stuff, the stuff you guys talked about with it was like, all right, this feels like Spider Man to me. It's peak. It's peak Spider Man. Yeah, it, it feels like peak Spider Man. Peak Spider. So be sure to check out Longbox Hunters. It's a great podcast. I, I just let those two, Drew and Tristan, I just let them go haywire, and sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't, but you sometimes know what? it works. It's, it, it's, sometimes it's, it never not works. It's always working. What do you mean sometimes? Get the fuck out of here. It's working, man. 
It's their creative vision. I'm just going to let them roll with it. Whatever they want to do, because I think it is getting results. So be sure to check out Lombok Hunters. Be sure to check out any of the socials there that Donnie and Tristan talked about. As for me, you can find me in our Discord, the link for which is in the description of this episode. Talk with us about how, uh, what your thoughts are on Aliens, on the Alien franchise. What do you want us to cover next? All that stuff and so much more. Check out our Discord and chat with us. We'd love to hear from you. Also, consider leaving us a rating. It would be tremendous if it was a positive rating. I want to thank Donnie for joining me. I want to thank Kristen for joining me. I want to thank anyone for listening in. We will be back next week with a brand new episode of Nerd Stop Movies. Show's over, man! Show's over!